0: Schedule is out. The season is here. Basketball is kind of, sort of back. Maybe the season is upon us. It's basketball time, man. It is Mavs time. I'm Bobby Carell. This is Numbers on the Boards. Joining me today, back from California, where he was demanding forty million dollars a year from us to appear on this podcast. And That's right. We happily obliged and, and get we we brought you the Brinks truck, man, right to your front door. He's Jeff Skin Wade Hello, everybody.
1: You could have franchise tagged me, but instead you paid up. I appreciate that. And now I want to deliver. Security, I mean, man. Yeah. Long-term finally, security. Finally, long-term security. You mentioned uh, being out in Oxnard. And so, uh, you know, following, I'm obviously get wrapped up in Cowboys world when you're out there for training camp and all that stuff. But it occurred to me as I was reading stories about Team USA and all that, I was like, man, we are so close. We are so close to the bas- – and, and it's actually pushed back a little bit this year because of yep. Team USA. But uh, we are through the looking glass, as the lawyer in JFK likes to say, and I still don't know what that means. <laughs> but uh, we are through that, and basketball season is here, and I'm, I'm very, very excited. I love the future of the Mavs, and I do think that they're going to surprise people.
0: Yeah, we're two months away, less than two months away now from preseason. Uh, two months from today, actually, the Mavericks will be – I think playing at home against New and Noel and the OKC Thunder. How about I, that? I believe, yeah. Uh, Media Day, six weeks away. By the like way,
1: say- we'll, get, we'll get to that. I, okay. we'll, get, we'll get to what you were just saying. I, we'll circle back to the Thunder in a
0: second. Oh, wow, okay. All right, all right. We got lots of time. Yeah, yeah, we got plenty of time. Uh, like I said, Media Day, six weeks away. Team USA kicks off at the World Cup, I want to say, like, in two weeks or something. I mm-hmm. mean, it is, like, it is time. Yeah. Our guy, Jalen Brunson... Uh, numbers on the board's own, Jalen Brunson. We invented like we, him. Yeah, I feel like we can claim, we can take responsibility for his season. Right. Uh, he is back now from select training camp in their blue-white scrimmage, by the way. Who do you think had the best plus minus on the uh, whatever colored team he was? Well, I think he was on the blue team.
1: Since you're asking me right after mentioning his name, I'm going to say Jalen Brunson.
0: That is a pretty good <laughs> yes. guess. Yeah, thank it was Jalen. It wasn't Mitchell Robinson. was it anybody else. Yeah, it was Jalen Brunson. So, thank you, America. Uh, good job, Skin. Thanks. Uh, yeah, man. Exciting times. Right off the top, I do want to plug and we can kind of... Well, first off, I've been very excited about uh, Radios and Tunnels. Ah, thank you, Bob. And I'm, I'm even more excited... To hear the latest episode i think just came out yes hot off the presses
1: yes it's a uh, interview with uh, adrian quesada of the black pumas he's their producer band leader guitarist and he's a dude i've known forever and he's been in a lot he's won grammys he's played with prince he's he's got this real storied career but this is the coolest thing he's ever done uh their record dropped this summer and you've heard it you yep. love it it's, it's excellent amazing. So I did uh, an interview with him and played some of the music, and we talked about how they recorded the songs and what the songs mean. So if you're a big music head and you like kind of, this is sort of psychedelic soul. Mm. It's kind of like, sounds like something the Wu-Tang Clan would have sampled had it come out 40 years ago or whatever. So it's got a real old soul vibe to it. The singer Eric Burton's incredible, but I, you know, radios radios and tunnels we do film and music and... Sports writing. And I First think episode, you yeah, had Justin Durant on there. Justin former Durant, cowboy. former cowboy. I think I got Elton Brand coming on in a few weeks. Dude, nice. He's GM of the Sixers He's isn't GM he? of the Sixers yeah. now. Uh, and, you know, got to know him when he was a Maverick. Mm-hmm. And so when I would hang out with him, I'm not like we hung out a lot, but when we'd be in the same settings, we would talk hip hop and movies. So I think he's just going to come on and talk hip hop and movies with me. Dude, that's awesome. Got Michael Young, the old time Ranger hit leader coming up. I mean, we got lots of good stuff on that. So if you enjoy what we do here and you want to hear some, other stuff, whether it's music or, or, you know, trends in pop culture, whatever. Radios and tunnels, you can subscribe over at uh, iTunes and all
0: those various awesome, places. Man. Especially check out the Black Pumas episode. Those guys are awesome. It's Texas great. Texas is own. Yes. they local guys. Yes. It is greatness. Yes. Uh, I did a podcast recently, Two Skin. You might have seen it on the internet. I, uh, are, are, Well, you did two. Did uh, yeah, I did a couple, actually. Yeah. So yes. When the schedule came out, Machine and I sat down with Followell for a couple hours and broke down the schedule. Did Follow will have an intensely. interesting nugget about every single half of every <laughs> pretty single pretty game? Much, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> he's the best. But it's funny because like he prefaces the whole thing is like, well, I don't ever want to you know go too in detail on the schedule because it's all going to change. There's no point in doing it. Right. But let's but, talk about it for yeah. three hours. Uh, so that's really fun. You can you can check it out on every podcast that we have and also on YouTube. Um, and then you guys did the newest Maverick. Yeah, Delon he's technically Wright. the newest Maverick. I Right, uh, I don't know.
1: Maybe I think he I is. Really He's know, the yeah. last guy that we signed or Perhaps. we traded for. It was either yeah Hammer Bobon or something. Okay, you
0: know, there's Bobon is his own category. So non Bobon division, I think Delon Wright is the newest. Man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we sat down with him. Mike and I got him yesterday, uh, one of his first days in Dallas. In fact, I think it might have been his first day wow. in Dallas, period. So he might uh, think that you guys run the team. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah. possible. Well, <laughs> so the poor guy was just working out, and then we were able to kind of get over there and set up a little uh, photo you know white paper background thing to take some pictures and so he walks in the room thinking that's all he's going to be doing and then he sees like oh. three photographers two video cameras <laughs> us and he's in there and he's just like dude welcome you, to the was, mavericks yeah he was very how was he what's but, his personality like uh he seems kind of like a quiet guy you know sort of like a soft-spoken dude but he's just a really really nice guy did you tickle really him good guy no did not take dude him. that's always but a great did, way to get did, the party we started. told him jokes okay uh we told him jokes and it worked Good. So uh, one of the first things he said was that uh, he loves macaroni and cheese. Badass. I uh, and he also wants to try Whataburger. And I was like, dude, you do don't you have so much try Whataburger? Well, he's, he's from California, played in Toronto. So there's no Whataburger. What? Yeah. So uh, I said, man, get this, man. A Whataburger right now. We almost made our intern go out and pick some up. But he was like, well, you know, I, I just exercised. I want to eat you know, right. kind of some healthy food. Want to eat a so, cheeseburger right quick? Yeah, yeah. You just worked out with Rick for two hours. So, oh, he's like, going to love it. Here's a bacon cheeseburger. But uh, Is he pushing in and out on everybody? Is that his routine? No, no, no. He asked, is it better than In and Out? And we said yes. Oh, yeah, So dude. he was like, all right, I'm definitely going to try it out. Right. But uh, basketball wise, he was also a really good guy. Really good guy. Uh, looking I love the, the role he's going to play. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's like, he's down for it too. I think that one of the things that, um, i asked him about why the mavericks did it happen as quickly as everybody said it did and all that stuff and he said one of the things that drew him to the mavericks was so he's in toronto for three and a half years kyle lowry's backup you can't complain about that kyle lowry is really really good so no matter how good you think you are like you got to come off the bench for kyle lowry he's the basketball version of a baby pitbull yeah he's he's awesome yeah dude multiple multi-time all-star all all that stuff won a championship so like the dude is good uh, then he gets traded to Memphis where he came off the bench for Mike Conley. Again, mm-hmm. you can't complain about that, but then they kind of put Conley on the load management thing and so Delon became a starter. Did you say tank management? Load management? Oh, oh, yeah, load, yep, man, yep, load okay, management. Yeah, okay. Yep. yep. Uh, uh, I don't know what what's tank what's tank. I don't Tank I don't know.
1: management is when you take a really good player yeah. and you sit
0: him down so he can watch footage of Tank Lawrence. I oh, think okay, I think. Okay. I don't okay, know Yeah. New contract guy for the Cowboys, by the way, just like you. Uh, And so he became a starter whenever Mike Conley went into this uh, tank management Uh system. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, dude, he killed it. Put up three triple doubles, two of which came against the Mavericks. Yeah. Yeah. Like two triple doubles in three days. Uh, He was awesome, made himself a lot of money. And so after that stretch where for about a month he's putting up, I think, 12, 7, and 7 Mm -hmm. were his numbers as a starter. Maybe even 14, 7, and 7. He's thinking, well, I'm a starting point guard now or at least I want an opportunity to be a starting point guard. I don't want to be buried behind an established veteran all-star right. caliber player. It's so all he's done in the NBA. Yeah. And so the Mavs called him. He said within minutes of free agency opening, Rick calls him up and says, we would love for you to come here. It was Rick a that forward. called him. Yeah, it was Rick that called okay, him. Okay, yeah. I thought it was Cuban. So on Sunday, uh, the day the free agency opened, you and I are sitting at Petty Cullis Brewery with a bunch of our Mavs friends from, hey, uh, from around the Metro. That was by. awesome. Cheers, homie. Those good times. Awesome. Here's Here, this, my your water. discreet, unmarked water bottle. Uh, don't look at skins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as we're sitting there and all this news is happening, like, okay, you know, KP's agreed to a max deal. Everybody's going to the Brooklyn Nets. Like, Kawhi is I, somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah. No, one, no one can get in touch with them. Uh, Rick is on the phone with DeLon. And so Mavs fans are panicking about how nothing is happening, nothing is happening. Well, it turns out they wanted DeLon, I guess, all along. Yeah, I mean, from the get-go. And so that night, whenever that whole Dragic heat thing happened, it, the reason that they didn't want, I guess, Dragic here is because they were already kind of talking with DeLon. And so yeah. that, that, that sort of like... Uh, I, I don't know that that weird, suspicious Bill Duffy quote came out that said, "Well, they have other plans." Right. He was their other plan.
1: He was other plan, and and it, we can say this is no secret. They were interested in Danny Green, mm-hmm. and we saw that on Monday, I believe, is the day they signed Seth Curry. Yeah. So if you look at if you look at cap room and you look at some of the things that could have been done, it was very conceivable that the Mavericks could have signed Danny Green, Seth Curry. And DeLon Wright. Yep. They could have signed all three. That would have been awesome. And I think they wanted to sign all three. And I think that's why they were feeling some things out. And the, I think a lot of the people that were overreacting to free agency, I think that has subsided. Mm. But I think at the time, if you go back, you can remember, well, they're not doing anything. And they don't have a plan. And all this stuff has happened. I was like, nothing happened from Monday to when Kawhi trade happened. Yep. Like, go back and look what happened that the Mavericks were interested in from the Monday morning they signed Seth Curry to the Friday night
0: trade where we all looked at our phones before we went to bed and went, holy ass. The only thing during that time was the Kawhi saga. And that felt extra excruciating because the Mavericks were kind of in on Danny Green. And so you're thinking, well, every day that passes is like one more day that you've missed out on him.
1: Right. So when when people go, well, they didn't have a plan and didn't do anything, I'm like, well, explain to me what they missed out on. Mm. And no one has an answer because the Mavericks did have a plan. They wanted all three of those guys, I believe, and they ended up getting two of those guys. Mm-hmm. And if you look at where Danny Green went, does anybody want to blame him? I, Looking at contracts, I don't know what the Mavericks were offering or what, but that, he got a hell of a deal. Yep, he did. He's playing with LeBron in the brow, so. Yep. Can't complain. They man. can't complain. So what did the Mavericks get? They got, as you pointed out, Uh, One of the best wide-open shooters in the last couple decades and Seth Curry. Almost
0: 50% on catch-and-shoot threes last year.
1: And when you have the ripple effect of, boy, we have got to load up on Porzingis and Luka, that means other guys are going to have opportunities. And I like that one of those guys has an opportunity as a 50% three-point shooter. And another guy who's going to have an opportunity is DeLon Wright. Uh, Playing off the ball, movement, having the ball, and, and, and playmaking with it he's um, he's also an excellent rebounder I love when guards rebound because it initiates your break faster yep. um, and then obviously the defensive versatility of him so you know when it's a, it's a sport of stars and you want to get as many stars as you can but what happens is is that average players become good players good players become great players and so on and so forth when they're on the floor with two exceptional players mm. and so the Mavericks future, started when they made the Porzingis trade. It started when they made the trade for Luka. It exacerbated everything when they made the trade for Porzingis. They have their foundation, and so what they've done is they've acquired very good players that provide specific needs for this team, and those good players have a chance to become very good players because of
0: the the ways that they're going to be used here. And now kind of the pressure is on DeLon, I guess, if you want to put it that way, because He's getting quite a bit of money, but also he's going to be, I would imagine, the starting point guard on opening night. Right. I uh, think so, too. Entering a season as the lead guard. I mean, Luca will be handling the ball the most, right. but he will be the main point guard on a team for the first time in his career. Yep. And so this is kind of a new opportunity for him. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds, but that is why he wanted to come here. Yeah. So uh, the I guess... Not to I, go all the way back to where we started, but the reason that it took so long to get DeLon here, even though they were talking to him at 5.02 or whatever it was, is because they had to work out a sign-and-trade. Mm-hmm. The Mavericks could have given him an offer sheet, but then Memphis could have matched. matched. And at the time, because it was so early in free agency, that was before Memphis had done the Iguodala trade, and Memphis had like kind of a bit of cap room, and just like they wanted to keep their options open. If the Mavs would have just sent him an offer sheet at 5.01 there's a really good chance that Memphis might have just matched. I think so. But by waiting it out, kind of, you know, I think a couple days had passed. Memphis made the trade for Iguodala. All of a sudden they had some more money that was tied up. The Mavs got a couple picks on draft night Mm -hmm. uh, for moving down to get Isaiah Roby. So they were able to use those picks basically to get DeLon Wright uh, for potentially less – annually than they would have needed in order to draw him away from Memphis just with a a flat-out offer sheet so it it, it worked out well for both parties I think and Delon even said in the podcast too I mean remember one of the reasons that he wanted to come here was because he could be a starter well what did Memphis do on draft night they drafted John Morant oh yeah he ain't playing Yeah. yeah and no that's no knock on John Morant but like Dillon wants to start. Yeah. He's not starting over John Moran. No, so if, you,
1: if you put the number two pick into a player that could be incredibly dynamic, that's going. That's where your time's going to go. And you're
0: not going to put John Moran and Dillon on the floor together. No. So he comes here where he's the point guard. It's yeah. a, a starting job. Yeah. But he can still split playmaking duties with somebody at a similar position in Luca. And all of a sudden, you do have this kind of dynamic uh, mm-hmm. ball-handling duo. So it, you every, know it worked out well for everybody.
1: It did, too. And I saw some... You know, fans were like, okay, and so then what did Memphis do? Memphis went out, and with the money they didn't spend on DeLon Wright, they got another point guard. They got uh, the Minnesota – Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. Yeah.
0: So if you look at Tyus Jones – Which is Jones, curious because he'll be coming off the bench, right? I oh, mean, He'll be coming so off They're the giving bench. them that money to be a but he's
1: But he's a uh, high-caliber guy. He's a yeah. good person. Yeah. Uh, and so he's the kind of guy that the, he's not going to – he's going to play his role, mm. right? They're all competitive, but he's going to play his role. But if you look at it, I saw some people, well, why didn't they just sign Tyus Jones? they like, well, we have Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Like, Jalen Brunson and DeLon Wright are not similar players. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson and Tyus Jones are more similar than they're different. Yep. And quite frankly, I'd rather have Jalen Brunson, especially on the deal he has is you're starting to manage because you got to manage. It's not about how much money you want someone to make. It's about managing a salary cap. Mm. So it doesn't make sense to go get a player like that. He doesn't do the things that DeLon does. The things that DeLon does are things that this team needs. Yeah, defending guards. Yes, rebounding. Opening
0: night, this is kind of a whatever, a classic podcast segue, but opening night you got the Wizards coming in town on October 23rd, like last year's roster, if – Again, I love Jalen Brunson. I'm the captain of the Jalen Brunson fan club. Yeah. But if he's your starting point guard and then you have Luka, which one of them is guarding Bradley Beal? Like right. that's a really tough test for both of those guys. It's two second-year players who are much further along offensively at this point in their careers. Well, all of a sudden you can kind of take a deep breath and relax because you've got DeLon to defend those guys. Yeah, Bradley Beal on the first night. Next night you go to the Pelicans. DeLon can guard Drew Holiday. Like right. a- every game just becomes a little easier whenever you have kind of that defensive ace in the backcourt. And for so many years in Dallas, it's been on the perimeter. Guys like Marion, who mm-hmm. defends wings. Right. Right. Dorian defends wings. Harrison right. Barnes, Wesley Matthews, they defend wings. They haven't had a guy that can really check point guards. Anymore. Not since Jay
1: Kidd, and Jay Kidd was Yeah, he was like, older.
0: Yeah, he was older. He
1: did it and all with he's intensity. And he still
0: struggled at that point in his career. Remember in the 08 Olympics, he was struggling to keep up with the, the faster guys. And yeah. And that was in 2008. Right. And so, you know, it kind of – it was a little easier on him to be able to defend, as funny as it sounds, D-Wade and LeBron. Yeah. Than the cat-quick point guards like Chris Paul because those guys just played a little bit of a slower thing. And
1: also, man, Jay Kidd is maybe the strongest dude at that size. He's amazing. Oh, my God. Those paws. Yeah. You would see him rip the ball away from giant 6'10 muscle heads. Just rip the ball away. Uh, So – you know, a guy like LeBron's not just gonna straight back him down as easily because Jay smart, knows how to get leverage, and he's strong as an ox. Mm. Um, but we're digressing. Yeah. Uh, the, the The Delon Wright fit is a good fit, and you mentioned, um, you know, how the season's gonna start. I love the fact that in the first two weeks of the season, ESPN wanted to put the Mavericks on the national stage. Yeah, Dude. I mean, we always encourage everyone to watch our local broadcast. Uh, with Followell and Harp, and I tag along sometimes. But uh, that's I, I want the nation to see what we got cooking here. Yeah.
0: Well, and how many times you're on national TV is obviously a reflection of what the networks think people want to see. Yep. And so for 13 of the Mavs games to be on ESPN and TNT, and then seven more to be on NBA TV, and obviously NBA TV can flex more games onto their they will. network. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, well... Clearly, people like the Mavs. Yes. Now, they also like the Lakers 43 out of their 82 <laughs> games on national TV. But yeah, whatever. I get it. Yeah. Um, last note about defense skin. Yep. So, uh, DeLon Wright, you ever heard of steal percentage or block percentage? Or do oh, I? Yeah. We can, I can bust out the chalkboard. So, basically, yeah. steal percentage is how many possessions you get a steal, mm-hmm. block percentage is how many of your opponent's shots do you block? Right. So it, it's kind of just- If they take a yeah. hundred
1: shots and you block four of them, your block a, percentage four percent. Yeah.
0: So DeLon Wright is the only guard in the NBA to have a steal percentage of at least two and a half mm-hmm. and a block percentage of at least one and a half. That's great. Okay. Each of the last That's three That's a Lajuan line, yeah. just the kind only, of reversed. Sort of, yeah. The only guard in the NBA to do that. Only one wing has even done that in the last three years. That's Robert Covington. So okay. he, those, are, those are splash plays, mm-hmm. right? Steals and blocks. Blocks cancel out, most of the time, layups. Yep. Steals mean that they can't get a shot and usually that you get a better shot. So mm-hmm. those are like impact plays. Those are sacks in football. Those steals are live ball turnovers, which Rick calls a catastrophic turnover. Yeah, and those are basically 75% of the time going to lead to like an open three or run out layup. Yep. The steals are amazing. So why does that matter? Because five of the top eight teams last year in steals per 100 possessions made the playoffs. Oh, wow. Six of the top eight in blocks per 100 possessions made the playoffs. How about that? So the more steals you get, the more blocks you get, generally means that you're gonna win games because again, a block saves you two points, a steal saves you two points and usually gives you two points back. Those are like huge point swings.
1: So here's uh, there's two ways to talk about that. There's the uh, current way to talk about it and there's the pre-analytic way to talk about it. So the pre-analytic way to talk about it was Those, look at the crowd, feel the momentum, the players are feeding off this steal and a dunk. I always think back to, uh, you know, when my basketball consciousness was really getting going, uh, the University of Houston had Olajuwon and Drexler and Benny Anders and these guys, and they were called Phi Slamma Jamma. And the reason they were called Five Slamma jamma Is they played passing lanes They gambled And they would get steals And go down And they would dunk it like this right? And the place would erupt
0: Those points feel like the, More than two They feel
1: yeah. like more than two And so that's like The intangible way To talk about it Momentum And confidence is built And boy you feed off that And when the building Starts going and all that And then there's the current way We talk about it, The analytic way Of like well actually When you get a steal 75% of the time It's going to lead to this Or this mm-hmm. So the point being They're good both ways. Yeah, for sure. They're good both ways. And
0: if the Mavericks are going to try and be a better defense, which I think the last three, four seasons they've been kind of in the mediocre range, Mm -hmm. like 18 to 22, kind of somewhere in there, where it's like fine, but not great. If they're trying to improve on that, the easiest way to do it is to just eliminate opponent's shots by either stealing it from them or blocking their shots. Oh, yeah. And for so many years, whenever they were making the playoffs, like early – 2010s, like the Monte years, they weren't uh, full of lockdown defenders. They had Sean Marion, but then Mm -hmm. they had guys like JJ who draws charges. Devin Harris draws charges and steals. Monte played the passing lane. So even if you're not like the best defender of all time, if you get a steal, if you poke a ball loose, if you're diving on the floor for these uh, loose balls, all of a sudden you're wiping out shot attempts Mm -hmm. from your opponent and you're saving yourself points. So that's one way to kind of shortcut – being a top 10 defense, I guess, is yeah. just adding a couple steals per game, adding a couple blocks per game. Porzingis? Thanks to DeLon, right? Yeah, and to Porzingis. Yeah. And to Maxi and all that stuff. And so that kind of leads to my uh, next question. We had a, a follow on, and I did this on our little schedule breakdown show, is trying to guess the Mavs starting lineup on opening night. Okay. And he said that he thinks it'll be DeLon, Luka, Justin Jackson, Porzingis, and Dwight Powell. And I said, well, it might be Maxie and not Dwight Powell. I think it's going to be Maxi. And so I, I'm just curious. Like, follow will explained his reasoning. I kind of did too. It's just, you know, you got two shot blockers, guys yeah. that are versatile. Maxie's real versatile. But I want to hear your reasoning for, first off, uh, people listening at home might be like, well, Dorian has been here longer, mm-hmm. and he's a really good defender, so why would Justin start over him? Right. And then why do you think Maxie could, or even should, start over Dwight, even though Dwight got the big contract and everything. Like, why do you think he's a a good fit?
1: Okay, well, uh, there's a couple caveats. Let's just assume that uh, when this decision has to be made against the Washington Wizards, that everybody is 100% healthy. Mm -hmm. Okay, right? And then let's assume that everyone played well in the preseason.
0: Okay, yeah. There could be positional battles and everything. Because
1: if, you know, there's five preseason games, and if Maxi goes 0 for 15 from three – and shoots 22% from the floor in the preseason, I don't think they're
0: going to start him on opening And Meanwhile, Dwight's just throwing down alley after alley However,
1: if we assume that everyone's healthy and we assume that everyone's playing well out of preseason, then I think it's going to be your starting lineup. And the reason why Justin over Dorian is because I think that there are – and here's the other thing, too, that we should establish, and I've learned this doing sports talk radio and getting to know people at the Rangers and the Mavericks and the Cowboys – So you'll hear a reporter go, the Mavericks believe. I'm like, shoot, the Mavericks believe? You should go in a room with those people. They all have different opinions. Have you ever been in a room with a bunch of knowledgeable, smart people? They all have different opinions. They don't think alike. They try to workshop to a consensus. Now, obviously, Rick is going to be the one that's making the decision to put these guys out. So I would say however he's feeling is the most important of all this. A general manager, and, and we have a unique situation with this organization because... The owner is kind of a general manager. He's very involved. And then, of course, he has Donnie. And and then this is an organization that puts a lot of emphasis on the analytics department. Mm -hmm. Those guys have a lot of say. So there's a lot of voices here. And if you ask them individually, they may not all agree on the same thing. So how do they find consensus? Well, I think when you're the two guys we're talking about, the Dorian-Justin situation and then the Dwight-Maxie situation, I think that Dwight is a better roller, for example, than Maxie. Okay. Um, but I also think that there's going to be situations where, okay, poor is on the floor. We're going to be coming off of him a lot of times for more of a space game. And we actually don't want him to roll mm. uh, because that's going to create some opportunities for Luca. And obviously working with uh, Powell and him rolling and sucking people in, those are, those are both great options. But I think that the size of Maxi and his ability to move in space uh, and also, like you mentioned, the shot block ability. He does some of those things a little bit better than Dwight, where Dwight functions, I think, better as a roll guy, for example. And he's certainly a super high-energy guy. So I think that ideally for what you need rebounding and defensively, Maxi alongside Porzingis, as long as those guys are playing well, is a really good fit. And then I think Justin, at this point in his career, let's see what Dorian does in the preseason, is a better shooter. And I also think there's people in the organization that probably value Justin as a defender in space more than probably our fan base realizes. Mm. I think when they go in there and they look at him... I think that you would find that there's a lot of people that think, okay, he's a, he's a really good defender in space. He gets back down like a lot of skinny guys get back down. Hey, I know what that world's yeah. like. But um, but you're less worried about a guy getting back down when you have Maxi and Porzingis on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because that's when a ball becomes stagnant, and that's when it's easier to team defense that. Mm-hmm. So I think the edge offensively that uh, Justin has over Dorian – you know, mitigates the edge defensively. Dorian might have over, over Jackson. Mm. So, I think your lineup is probably the way that it would end
0: up. But it's a fluid thing. Yeah, it could even be situational too. Like yeah, I'm I mean, you're thinking like there are games that Dwight might be more appropriate of a choice than Maxie. Uh, absolutely. Like I'm... we can give Dwight all the all the all the grief that we want about defense because obviously he's more of an offensive player. Maxie right. is more of a defensive player. Right. I think that's fair to say, but Like, for so many years, Dwight was the only guy on this team that could guard Boogie. Yeah. And he does pretty well against some of the – he's done well against Anthony Davis, too, because he's got quick hands, and those guys, if you're you're just backing them down, dribbling the ball, he can poke it away from you. So there might be some times where one is better than the other. Let's go one step further. There might be some times where it ain't Justin or Dorian, it's Seth. There might be times when it's both Justin and And Dorian. Dorian, Yeah. Like, if you're going up against Houston, and P.J. Tucker is their power forward – you want maxi chasing them around or do you want dorian chasing them around right you know i mean it, it, i i don't think that it's a bad problem to have i guess you it's know?
1: it's very common uh for us to sit here and decide all these things that fit and rick be like a <laughs> <laughs> bunch of commoners i've got this under control yeah. you don't need to be talking about this so much bam mm. uh so it is situational but if you're going to look at the end of the year i think health considered
0: there will be more of a starting five of those guys than any other. Yep. Well, and then that leads to the question of, well, who's coming off the bench? Because, my God, there's only five starters, and there's, like, ten guys that we just mentioned. Like, we didn't even mention Tim Hardaway. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with Courtney Lee, but he's still a perfectly viable player. Absolutely. That put in your rotation, shoot and defend. Uh, obviously, Boban is playing big minutes. Porzingis is going to be missing games with load management. They only right. have 13 back-to-backs. but. You know, Kawhi didn't play a single one last year, and then won the title. So, what is going to happen with that? So, like, I think every player on this team might end up starting like 15 games. Yeah, I think you know? that I think that's a I think that's a, a valid point there. And um,
1: the other thing too is, so when JJ's is 100, how does that all work out?
0: Yeah, because you got Delon, JJ, Jalen, yeah, and, and Luca, so,
1: and Rick loves small lineups. Yeah, he, he does. loves two and three point uh, playmakers, like mm. legitimate small playmakers. So. Uh, They have a lot of depth and they have a lot of versatility. And I think that was the other key to signing DeLon. Like, he fits a specific role that they didn't really have. Mm. Like, if DeLon wasn't on this team, let's say they went out and whatever. It's just for conversation. Oh, we signed Tyus Jones. Oh, by the way, you and I were just – we didn't mention Jalen just then, did we? Uh, I did. Okay, you did. Sorry. But my whole point is that DeLon fits a specific role that nobody else on this team really fits. Like, who's the closest thing to DeLon on this team for the things that he does? I
0: mean – I, nobody, because he, he's your best driver, right? And he's your best point guard defender. I
1: think he's your best wing defender or perimeter defender. Yep. Yes, uh, and a really good rebounder. There's hey, rebounding has been a problem for this team. Yeah, uh, which is one of the reasons I think Maxi would get the nod over Dwight, just because of the size, right? Like I think Dwight attacks the ball with a more, I don't know, fervor. Just you know, There's like a
0: manic energy out there. Yeah, like chaotic. Like manic chaos. energy
1: is exactly the word. But I think, you know, size matters in rebounding. It absolutely does for sealing people off. And so if you're going to have two really big guys out there and then some guards that can, like, Luke is a great rebounder, Mm. uh, that's one way to solve some of the rebound issues you've had over the years.
0: Yeah, I mean, all you have to do if you're a big guy on this team is just get your butt on the other big guy, and Luke or DeLon will happily scoop it up. And honestly, they might even be coached to do that because, like you said, it is beneficial uh, whenever your guards get the rebound, because you can start transition earlier. Like, Absolutely, I, I know everybody makes fun of Russell Westbrook all the time in OKC because like you'd see Stephen Adams like box out the other team's entire five man lineup, so Russell right. could you know swoop in and get that free throw rebound. But their numbers were so much better whenever he got the ball, as opposed to Adams, because the second or two that it takes to find the outlet man are a second or two that you could instead be going one-on-one going the other way
1: that's the to me that's the very definition of haterism is criticizing a player for rebound hunting (laughs) like i've been around (laughs) all the things to get mad about i've been around basketball my whole life my dad was a coach i've been i've never ever 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 had a coach go i don't know maybe pull back on the rebounds a little bit like it was always hammered in my head that's the most important thing you better sell out to get that rebound uh, Pat Riley's famous quote is, uh, re- uh, re- rebounds equals rings. Mm. Like, dude, you're really criticizing a guy for going viciously after a rebound? What is wrong with you? Now, there's offensive rebounds where you can sell out your defensive responsibilities, mm. and that is selfish. That will get you benched. That'll get you benched, but... Man, nitpicking over a guy getting defensive rebounds. I'm like, what is I mean, happening? Just think of how
0: many times you've played pickup with a guy that just doesn't really care about boxing out. Oh, and I, I usually his don't man play, is just pick up with those people. <laughs> consistently getting yeah. just putbacks, tip ins, and yeah. it's like I rebounds I are possession of the ball, raided. man. Yeah. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to defend for an extra 14, 24, 30 seconds, whatever it is, because you're too lazy to right. try. You no, know. it's great when a guard gets a rebound because your break is initiated. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and, and that's
1: one of the beauty of having bigs that can handle the ball. Like I love when Boogie gets a rebound and pushes. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that's
0: awesome. Oh, and Porzingis, I might do be a little bit of that, that bit too. because he can pull up from thirty yeah. and just drop one on you. Yeah, so uh, it's exciting it's be stuff. Fun. Uh, all right, a couple quick schedule things. Uh, by now, everybody has seen the entire schedule. You got one printed out in front of you too. Oh, thank you, Bob. Um, before I ask you about any, I guess anything that jumps out, I want to hit some of the. I guess just the by-the-numbers things. Okay. So, like we said earlier, 13 back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's down across the league. I want to say that's the fewest the Mavs have had since I've been around this thing. And this will be my seventh season, I think. It's collectively
1: so, the fewest the league's ever had. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there
0: were not long ago, it was like 20 per yeah. season. I mean, it was like just crazy amounts. And that's good, especially for this team, like because of Chris Stapps, And because, you know, just generally... You guys got a bum knee, I got a bum ankle, my back is sore. It's nice to not have to play 12 hours after your game ends, you know? Did you ever
1: read any of those sleep studies? I think like Harvard did them and they were doing the Boston Red Sox where it's like, there's certain scenarios where on minimal rest and playing the second night of a back-to-back after travel, you are quote-unquote legally intoxicated.
0: Really? Yeah, like... I the mean, Im- your judgment is impaired? Yes, and, impaired in that fashion. Oh, my God. Well, and it's got to be bad for your body, too, just right. from purely a recovery standpoint. Um, and this is where kind of the my, my favorite schedule stat of the year. So they have 13 back-to-backs. They do not lose time on any of them, so they never go from west to east. Oh, that's huge. Which is incredible. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, there was one time, this was in 2016-17 I think it was the year where they started 4-17 and 17, and uh, I think the last loss of that stretch if not maybe, I mean one of the tw- it was toward the end because it was in December uh, we had a home game and then we flew that night from Dallas to Charlotte, landed mm-hmm. in Charlotte at a nice 3-3.30 a.m. Right, uh, right, arrival, Right. get to the hotel you get your bag, you unpack all your crap, you brush your teeth, you lay down in bed and it's like 4.30 in the morning mm-hmm. And even if you sleep for nine hours, you're waking up at one thirty, which is basically like time to get my clothes on and go to the arena right o'clock. right like there is no time for sleep whenever you lose time
1: and, and a lot of players have a routine where they want to get a nap on a game
0: day. yeah, for sure, yeah. and you they don't even they don't even afford the luxury of sleeping in as long as they want because a lot of the times you'll watch film in the morning, even if you don't have shoot around or you'll have a team breakfast where mm-hmm. you'll go over just like basic things. Uh, so you're still getting up at. 10 or 11 or I mean I, you're, you're just not getting any sleep at all right and I felt like a zombie on that trip in particular and I just type on my laptop all the time like I don't actually <laughs> you're play. not running yeah yeah and uh, they also don't end a single back-to-back in Denver or Utah which is great because that's incredible. that is where wind streaks go to die As you Machine d- likes so, to so say. the
1: worst is like if you're in Portland and the next night you're in Denver yeah because not only do you lose the hour, but there's the altitude, it's the second night, that is just a death mark.
0: Yeah, and there's some places where the drive from the airport is particularly long, and Denver's one of them. Mm-hmm. And these are just like all things that you think about, yeah. that I think about whenever, you know, you spend a lot of time on the road. Uh, now, there are plenty of back-to-backs where you're going to Sacramento on the second night. That's going to be tough. They do mm-hmm. that twice. Uh, they play against the Lakers on the second night. I think they play against the Warriors on the second night. So there's like there's ever, some tough ones. Do you ever look to it, and this is, it's not fair to do this, but do you ever look at quote-unquote
1: winnable games on the second night of a back-to-back? Yeah.
0: Well, you hope that there are some. Well, but, yeah. they, but the
1: other thing, too, is it puts added pressure on you to take care of business on the second night of a back-to-back. Yep. And a lot of times a coach might even, I'm not going to say concede the first night, but and eh, we'll probably have a better chance of that second night. So I'm going to monitor this in a certain way. It's yeah, just, it's I mean, just tough.
0: If you're on the road on night one and you're at home on night two, and the opponents are equal, if not tilted more toward the home game being a little more winnable, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe you manage the loads on the first night. Right. You know, I mean, because you got to. If you don't try and win one, then you run the risk of losing both, and that's you know? bad. And that's really bad because yeah. losing one game sucks. Losing two games in a row. Sucks really bad. Yep. Uh, especially whenever you're losing to teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs. And that is where the maps have really struggled, especially early in the season. God. Last year, for example, you start at Phoenix, you lose by 21. That was ridiculous. And then the week later, you go to Atlanta, you're up by 26 points in the second quarter, and you blow that one too. And that just sets you so far back. Mm-hmm. Last three years, it's been 2-13, and 2-14, 2-7. Yeah. It's like it's over before we even start.
1: Yeah. you get That's a... It's a it's a tough hole to dig out of in any sport. It's very tough to dig out of that in the Western Conference. Yeah, you just it, you just buries you
0: early. They almost did mm-hmm. last year. Remember, they started two and seven, and then they ended up what fifteen and eleven after uh, Luca night against the Rockets. But you go thirteen and four, and you're not, you're not sustaining that. No. and then. You know, one guy gets hurt. You play a couple second nights of a back-to-back. You go on a tough road trip, and you're back down five games below 500. And, and then you trade four starters. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that's one of the things that leads to it. Like, I wonder, obviously, the Mavs have wanted Porzingis since he was born. Yeah. You know, 23 years ago in Latvia. But uh, Baby Porzingis. If they're 28 and 21, do they make the trade? Yes. Do you think so?
1: Yes. Woo! I do. Yeah? I think, I'd, look. Uh, if they're like
0: the fourth seed in the West or fifth seed in the
1: West. Here's it, why. Yeah. Here's why. Uh, so I'm going to go back in time to win that very weird offseason uh, that the Mavericks acquired Antoine Jameson and Antoine Walker, and they weren't fits. Mm. Why did they make those trades? Or why did they make those player acquisitions?
0: I don't know. It I was, was
1: because it was a significant upgrade in talent. They did not plan – on keeping those guys and building with those guys. There was like it was opportunistic to grab talent for the bigger picture of what can this talent become. Mm. That talent became Devin Harris, Jerry Stackhouse, and Jason Terry in separate moves. And so the point was, and you can even ask Dirk about that offseason he's like what are we doing it was here? weird man but but the way Donnie and Don think is this is a talent acquisition business and so I have this much talent and I have the opportunity to have this much talent so even though it doesn't match I'm going to get this much talent because I can turn that much talent into something else so why am I saying all that there's no way no matter what their record was that the Mavericks were going to pass on the opportunity to have two elite players under the age of 25. Yeah, I mean, it is There's tough to no way. it's
0: tough to let that opportunity pass you by, but at the same time, it would have been kind of weird. Rick I might think. have been upset. Yeah. He would have gotten over it. Dirk might have been upset Dirk? too. Dirk, oh, okay, now yeah. you're adding a wrinkle I didn't consider. The whole th- I mean, man. You're adding a wrinkle I didn't consider. Well, because, I mean, but no, they would have done it. This is the Dirk would have said to do it. I think he would have I think he just, would have probably
1: and this is what like I just can't wait for our fan base to see this Mm. because it's been so long since they've seen two elite players on the floor together. I'm not talking two great players, two elite players. Two years from now, these guys are going to be monsters. They're already pretty much knocking on that door, Mm. but when they get more seasoning underneath them, these guys are monsters. And so that's just the ripple effect of the NBA. This is why the Lakers, they they traded – what, three former top three picks, top four picks? And, A
0: bunch of number two picks, yeah.
1: And, and future guys, because LeBron and Anthony Davis together, hey, you guys are all great. Love you. You're great. Two elite guys together. That's what this sport is. that's If, if you have that, then everyone you put around him is suddenly infinitely better. Mm-hmm. So you do it. You do it every single time because they are too hard to get. They traded for a guy that one of the best players of all time called a unicorn. Kevin Durant called Porzingis a frickin' unicorn. Think he doesn't yeah. know? Those guys that are up there, they know. There's just so few of them. Mm. And so if you can get one, you get one. If you can get two, my God, what have we done? Yeah, you
0: got to go and get two. Have you seen – I mean, clearly you have because they were on national TV and there's a lot of highlight reels and stuff. But have you really watched Porzingis – while he was with the Knicks, I mean, yeah. have you gone back and like looked at? I've gone back
1: stuff? and looked at, and you, I, you've posted some really good clips. I like mm. seeing pop up on my Twitter timeline at Bobby Carella, but uh, but no, I I actually be you know, I'm I'm a nerd like you are. I'm a basketball nerd, so I watch it every single night. So mm. I'd watched him play quite a bit. Yeah. I was very aware of what he could do. Now, you know, you get bombarded with stuff and maybe lose context for a moment but going back and seeing plays you can completely visualize how these guys are going to work off yeah. one
0: another because that's one of the things man I, i've spent a lot of this summer because whenever you don't make the playoffs you're <laughs> you're thinking about next season and it's been a long off season for in that regard but been doing that for a couple of years now yeah unfortunately and uh last year it was oh my god i'm gonna watch every real madrid game again because they got luka and this summer it was i'm gonna watch every chris Stapps game <laughs> because they got kp and uh I just could not believe and you know, we talked about this with follow on Mike too, but like no disrespect to Jeff Hornacek and Derek Fisher and all the guys in New York that were coaching him all those years. Uh-huh. But man, if the shots he was giving in New York, it was not always easy to watch. It's frustrating. It was, dude. was tough.
1: Yeah. They're playing nineteen eighties basketball.
0: Yeah, and again, the triangle is it's really fun to see everybody moving and everybody cutting and passing right. and sharing the ball and all that stuff. Like it's it's a it's a cool offense, but Shot quality was not very high at all in any you know what, of the years that he was there.
1: You know what the old joke is about the triangle offense? What's that? The old joke about the triangle offense is, all right, we're going to get into the triangle, and we're going to pass it, and you cut here, and then you cut here, and then you cut here, and we're going to pass the pass, and then with four seconds left, Michael Jordan will save us. <laughs> That's the old joke about it. Now, obviously, if you get multiple – and. So, Phil Jackson's a big proponent of it. If you want to go on a nerd mission, go watch the early 70s Knicks. Mm. Everybody's passing. Yep. Everybody's moving. Everybody's a skilled player. And so, motion offenses are fantastic. That's essentially what the triangle is. It's a mm. motion the offense. The Mavs run a
0: lot of motion stuff. Yes.
1: Um, but there's it's the, the game has evolved. And so, the kind of spacing that you want now, the triangle's not as conducive to that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I mean, quite frankly... The, it, Look at, look at like what Houston does. We're not going to do what Houston does. There's going to be variations. They come kind of close. They come it, kind though, of yeah. close, but we're going to move more than Houston does, mm. um, I think. Yep. Um, but, but the whole point is that you don't look at Houston and go, oh, they don't get any good shots. They get plenty of good shots um, because they create space. And these are athletes that can do amazing things. And if you put them, it's what is the sport like? Think about football. What do they want to do in football? They want to get a dynamic athlete the ball in space. Mm. That's why running backs are catching it out in the flat more or coming across. It's like that guy's an amazing athlete. It's hard for guys to catch up with him. Give him the ball and put him in space. Basketball's the same thing. Yeah, I want to you, uh, catch and shoot. Opportunities are great, but a lot of them come out of putting a dynamic player in space and the defense collapsing on that guy. Mm. Yeah, so, and that
0: was not that's not a forte of the triangle. No. I mean, the, the general philosophy of that system is to be close to your teammates so that you can pass and cut off of them if you need to. They have a thing called a pinch post, which yeah.
1: is an elbow big with the ball and guys are cutting off of them and all
0: this stuff. And that's happening with Porzingis playing next to Ennis Cantor mm-hmm. and playing next to Melo, guys right. who like to shoot and who also like to shoot twos, not yes. threes, and that are. And want to wait for it. Yeah, and they're, the guards there are not spot up guys. So there was just a lot of like cramped, like. Porzingis in the post 12 feet away taking a fade away and like just kind of I don't know curling off for 17 foot jump shots and just not things that you're gonna see here and that's why most of the things that I'm putting on Twitter it was awesome to see that he is capable of doing the kind of the modern stuff yeah but also it was kind of weird fishing for those clips because most of them were very clearly like heat check style shots like breaking free from kind of the constraints stepping of the system. back and bailing yeah. And, you know, in transition, pulling up, trailing 30-footer, and instead of going to set the screen for Jarrett Jack to come up and, you know, get to the elbow and do his pinch post stuff, how about instead of uh, setting the screen, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to call for the ball and shoot it from 29. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the kind of thing that he's going to be doing here regularly. Mm -hmm. And in New York, it was only really, like, whenever he felt like kind of bucking the actual play call, you know? (laughs) And so, like, I think the system is going to be set up so much so much better here, so much more efficiently for him to do those kinds of things. It's going to lead to much better looks, mm-hmm. and if he gets the same number of shots, they're going to be better shots. It's going to lead to more points, more efficiency, uh, just all the all the good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I I can't wait. Like it can't get here soon enough for me, and I can't wait to see the new things that they're doing that they weren't doing last year because they have different players. It's going to change a lot, man. You got yeah. a
0: point guard that can break down the defense, get in the paint. You got a Monte style kind of guy in uh in uh delon Wright, one thing he said yesterday that made people mad is that he tried to model his game after d wade and i know everybody has a lot of salty very strong feelings about dwayne wade can i can i but can I you change can see it yeah. can i change everybody's uh
1: perception of that sure. right let's not say i modeled my game after dwayne wade let's say i modeled my game after one of the three or four best two guards of all time how about that one can of you, the best slashing guards ever ever A future Hall of Famer. Yeah. A three-time champion. Right. If you can digest that a little bit better, just strip the name off and look at what that thing is. It's uh, something you'd enjoy having on your team.
0: Now, maybe DeLon won't uh, make fun of people's colds, but he'll definitely get to the lane. He'll definitely get to the rim, get to the free throw line. You know?
1: Yeah. I'm not not mad about that. I I think it's awesome. I can't say this enough. He serves a very specific needed role here. Absolutely. And he's the right age. And look. Uh, if you go out there and you look at people like Kevin Pelton for example that does you know analytical breakdowns and then uh, how much is the value of this all the guys that do that type of writing all pretty much universally agreed that based on numbers and
0: what the Mavericks paid him the DeLon Wright deal is a good deal yeah for sure Seth Curry deal is a good deal yeah. I mean th- they they did good things Yeah. Uh, like you said I'm excited too man any, uh, any last words any final takes to fire off before you get out of here No,
1: just uh, I want to personally thank everyone who is listening at this point in the podcast Uh, because there's so much to consume out there and so many different things coming at you that if you take the time to download... Uh, numbers on the boards or if you want to do uh, the ceiling is the roof or any of the MAV related podcast or if you take the time to listen to radios and tunnels or if you ever go listen to some of the Ben and Skin podcast we know that you have a lot of options and if you are listening right now to this point in the podcast and you rolled with us this far We would like to hug you, virtually hug you.
0: Absolutely, man. Uh,
1: You know, cheers, all that stuff, because uh, we love talking about this stuff. And if you're going to take the time to roll with us and
0: do it, we really appreciate that. Beautifully said, man. Beautifully said. I totally agree. We appreciate uh, y'all's patronage. Listening to us, yeah, uh, it's a labor of love for us, but uh, it's also fun, man. Sports we would
1: do just... this if there weren't mics in front of us Absolutely. right now. It's kind of nerds going to nerd. Yeah, you know? it's,
0: I, I was. It's not even a labor of love. No. It's just fun, man. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. Basketball is fun. It's meant to be enjoyed. We enjoy it. I'm sure you enjoy it too. Uh, I did have a little trivia guessing game for you, but maybe we'll get to that in a future uh, future episode. So, okay. Uh, so yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm Let's gonna,
1: do another one next week or the week after. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm we're going to
0: start increasing in regularity as absolutely. we get closer it's, to that. it's basketball. time, man. It's yeah. time and players are starting to roll in. We're going to start getting some guests on more regularly. Like right it's we're we're back in we're back into season mode. Um, to tease this game for next episode, I'm going to test skins knowledge all the way back to uh, whenever Don Nelson was the okay. Head coach. Okay. So good. It's gonna be it's gonna be good times. I look forward to that. Yeah, it's gonna be good times. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Skin, for joining me. I'm glad we you got your contract situation handled. Yeah. Sorted out. You're Loaded. back. Uh, you're back on uh, on our team. And I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Forty million dollars an episode. Mm-hmm. Woo. It's unbelievable. I it is it. unbelievable. At that budget. Please take me out to Chili's at least once. Done. All right. Paper. Cool. Queso. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Jaylen, for filming. Thank y'all for listening or watching on YouTube, wherever you consume numbers on the boards. We really appreciate it. We will see y'all soon. Thank you.
1: See ya.